A hospital ward, bewildering sounds and a patient confused and in discomfort. Help is at hand, a nurse, such a special person, there to make the old lady with her dislocated shoulder better. And the young man tending to her needs, an army reservist who knew what to do in a crisis. Because of the TA connection, just intuitively, I just felt that he wanted to be a bit of a hero. The words of a CBS reality juror assessing the case against Nurse Ben Geen, a medic never far from drama. Patients have been inexplicably suffering respiratory attacks on the same ward as Nurse Ben Geen works. Somebody thinks this is odd. It's beyond coincidence. The police are called and an investigation is started. Ben Geen is walking into work and is called by one of his uh, supervisors to one side to come to the office to, to have the, the, the matter discussed. He's wearing a fleece and he, in the pocket of that fleece, has a syringe. And he is seen to empty that syringe in his pocket. The incidents on the wards of Horton Hospital in Banbury are happening just a year since the inquiry into one of Britain's most notorious killers, a doctor. And now more patients are dying. Well, the Ben Geen case very much came in the aftermath of the Harold Shipman case when understandably health authorities became very concerned um, and, and very alert to make sure that that these sorts of things weren't going to happen again. And the defence would say that the hysteria that arose out of that necessary cautiousness uh, has led to something being read in, in this case, uh, that, that simply wasn't there, that that um, understandable cautiousness became uh, hysteria, that the police perhaps would, would not have been called in, should not have been called in, uh, and that they've been looking for something, looking for a crime that in fact never happened. But that was not the view of the police who charged him with murder, or of the original jury who found Nurse Ben Geen guilty of murdering two patients and attacking 15 others. For CBS Reality, 12 specifically selected citizens were asked to revisit the case before reaching their own verdict. In this podcast, we'll hear from the CBS jurors Nicole Dixon and Tracy Haynes. We'll also hear from the defence barrister Matt Stanbury and the former Metropolitan Police senior detective Colin Sutton. You will be placed in the same position as the jury. As you consider the evidence, you might well ask, should Bengin be serving a life sentence for murder? Or has a miscarriage of justice allowed a killer to remain free? Indeed, is there a killer at all involved in this series of tragedies? I'm Will Henrahan, and this is The Jury Room Podcast. At a hospital accident and emergency unit, there is bewilderment at a cluster of cases which sees patients suffer inexplicable respiratory attacks. Over two months, uh, 18 patients, vulnerable patients, predominantly elderly people, are taken ill in the A&E at Holton General Hospital with a respiratory failure, uh, which is quite an unusual event on its own, not prompted by any other uh, any other medical condition. Colin Sutton, a former senior detective at the Metropolitan Police in London. Each time this happens, a nurse called Ben Geen, who's actually nicknamed Ben Allett by his friends, after Beverly Allett, the nurse who, who was uh, famously or infamously uh, responsible for causing deaths of patients, 
he's present. Ben Gein is present, not only present, he's actually listed and recorded as being a member of the team that worked on all of these, all 18 of these patients. When tests were carried out on the patients, some had traces of muscle relaxants in their bloodstreams, something given their condition, which prosecutors claim should never have been administered to them. Both of these drugs are drugs which are found in the body of some of the victims of these respiratory attacks. Colin Sutton. Ben Gein's nickname, Ben Alice, did indeed resonate with investigators. Beverly Alice had, many years earlier, been found guilty of killing child patients on her ward. She would create an emergency by injecting them with insulin and then come to the rescue. She was not always successful. She was very plausible as she protested her innocence. This is Bev Allard being interrogated. Usually a nurse plus there's sometimes another nurse follows as well. Just to like give you help on the ward. So. But you might, surely the idea of this is some expertise quickly. Yeah, somebody who's ex experienced in... So Why would colleagues give Gein the nickname of an infamous murderer and nurse? They said it was because he was so often around when there was an emergency. In fact, he'd even been disciplined over that matter by management. The investigation which placed him at the heart of the mystery of Horton Hospital began in earnest when he was seen, on his way into work, emptying the contents of a syringe into the pocket of his fleece. Colin Sutton. The fleece is taken away for... Uh, examination, scientific examination, and it's found that not only is the damp patch on, on, the, uh, on, on the pocket where he discharged the, the syringe found to be muscle relaxant, but also in the same pocket there are traces of an anaesthetic. Interestingly, an anaesthetist at the hospital says that she is the only person who would be authorised to give these drugs to that patient at that time, and she didn't. So somebody else must have. So the implication obviously is that somebody is administering drugs to the patients to cause these respiratory failures for fun, for effect, to, 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 uh, to, make, to make a situation happen where they have to intervene, maybe, because they like doing that. And Bengi is the man who is present and in fact working on all these patients. And he's then found to have this syringe with the very same two drugs present in the pocket of his fleece. There was more damning prosecution evidence, the condition that the syringe was in. Well, he says that he took the syringe home by accident and when he was called into the office he thought he'd get into trouble because so that's why he emptied it. But when that syringe was examined microscopically, it was found that the needle was worn through multiple use. The practice almost Every case, almost every case where a syringe is used in the hospital, the practice is the needle is used once and then the whole thing is put into a, a sharp spin. Needles don't get worn in hospitals because they're only used once. So it implies that the syringe that he had in his pocket was one that had been used on multiple occasions in the past. But Matt Stanbury, a regular defence barrister, says there were innocent explanations to Gein's behaviour on the wards at the hospital. He was simply not the sort to run away from a crisis. By all uh, accounts, he was uh, somebody who was very keen to get involved with helping. Uh, it appears that he'd been disciplined for being a little bit too enthusiastic with helping out with patients and getting involved where he didn't need to be. And for that reason, he'd been 
um, disciplined. The, the defence said that the point, the fact that Ben Gein had been over-enthusiastic, if he had been over-enthusiastic, was a point in his favour, not against him. The fact that he was a diligent nurse, somebody who wanted to help out, the defence said, was, was a point to his credit. And not only that, but the defence relied on the fact that he'd been disciplined uh, as a point in his defence, because that was his explanation, Ben Gein's explanation, for discharging the contents of the syringe. He said he'd taken the syringe home by accident, he'd carried the syringe in his fleece in case it was needed at work, he'd taken it home by accident, and he'd discharged the contents of the syringe, not because he was panicking, because he'd been rumbled, but rather because he'd been disciplined for being over-enthusiastic before, he knew how it might look, uh, and therefore he panicked and discharged the contents of the syringe. An argument which did not wash with two of the CBS reality jury, Jess Rampling and Nicole Dixon. Too many coincidences. The fact that, yeah, you have had a cluster of 18 um, people with respiratory problems, but the fact that he was on shift, every single one of those, it was just too much of a coincidence. And the defence that, well, he's, he's a really, um, he's very keen, he's in the TA, um, he's used to dealing with, you know, difficult situations, but the shifts would have been predetermined beforehand. Mm. He, you know, that, it just, just was too much of a coincidence, those two things together for me. Did, 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 and Jess, you, you've spent, you revealed in the jury room that you'd spent a lot of time in hospitals uh, in your life. Um, what did that make you feel in terms of the allegations that you were hearing about these attacks on, on patients? I think it's sort of that, that gut-wrenching thing that you hear, you know, sometimes you hear about really horrific crimes and you're like, oh, that's just, for some reason it's so much more awful than other things. But for me, it was that because, you know, you go into a hospital, me particularly, the NHS has, you know, saved my ability to walk countless times. You go into a hospital, you're in a vulnerable position. The people that are supposed to be looking after you should be doing just that, looking yeah. after you. You shouldn't have to worry about it. So, and obviously I know that even in good professions where people are honest and they look after each other, there are going to be bad people. There are bad people throughout the population. But it's that thing of you just don't expect it from a nurse. Did the fact that you've experienced what you've experienced and you can you'd be very sensitive to just how vulnerable patients are, did that cloud your judgment when you considered the case against Bengine? I think in... I. I I think more the opposite way. I, I, it wasn't that it clouded my judgment that I thought, oh, what an evil person, he must be doing what he's doing. More that I thought, no, he's a nurse, he can't be doing that. He must be, you know, this must just be a coincidence. And, but sort of as the different parts of the evidence were presented, um, different factors came into play. It has to be stressed that the drugs found in the syringe that Ben Gein was carrying were found in only a handful of the patients. In not all of the cases could the prosecution prove that muscle relaxants had been administered. They, were, they invited an inference to be drawn that that was the case, but it was only in a limited number of cases that they were able to prove that muscle relaxant had been administered, uh, where in, in fact it shouldn't have been. And when the defence came to appeal Ben Gein's conviction, they stressed there was a possibility one of the patients had died from natural causes. The appeal was dismissed, but the Gein defence team believe he should be given another appeal court hearing because of new evidence related to the statistics used by the prosecution to suggest that there had been unusual goings-on at the hospital in the first place.
Well, there's a number of eminent statisticians who've been asked to give opinions on this case and the suggestion, as you say, at trial was that this was uh, a, a significant or unusual uh, number of occurrences of respiratory attack. But the suggestion from the experts, the statisticians, the medical experts now uh, is that it wasn't unusual uh, and, and that in fact one would expect perhaps even as frequently as once a year for there to be uh, this type of of spate of attacks within a hospital, in other words, to have a number of people at any one time who've come in for other ailments, a broken leg, whatever it might be, but for those people to contract a, a, a respiratory illness whilst in the hospital. The statistics quoted by the prosecution suggest that it's almost impossible that patients could be attacked and be injured or die without there being a deliberate attacker in the equation. But these sort of statistics have been proved unreliable in other cases of nurses on duty when deaths occur. Matt Stanbury. There was a similar case uh, involving a different type of illness, involving cot deaths in the Netherlands, where the prosecution had relied upon the number of incidents as being significant. And similarly to this case, the defence were able to bring forward expert evidence to say that in fact this wasn't statistically significant. Uh, and in fact her appeal was allowed and she was subsequently released. Um, one point that's often made is that the criminal courts aren't well equipped to deal with statistical issues. Uh, and that's likely to be one of the criticisms that's made in this case. The, the Crown Court will often proceed on the basis that, oh, well, it must be significant, but that actually statisticians would say that the courts are simply ill-equipped to deal uh, with those types of issues. A point Colin Sutton disagrees with. He also feels the evidence about the Dutch nurse doesn't count for much. Where the statistics were the main plank of the investigation, the main plank of the prosecution evidence upon which she was convicted, that may be understandable. Here it isn't. The statistics were the means to make the inquiry be sought. They were what got the authorities interested or worried about this. But the investigation then proved that Ben Gein had the motive, he had the equipment, he had the opportunity to commit these crimes. And I think it's a completely safe conclusion to come to that he committed them. And what of the point that there should never have been an investigation, the so-called unusual cluster, was not unusual at all? Is that a point in favour of the defence? It's irrelevant. It's almost like, for example, you know, if you were to say a police officer um, finds somebody with stolen property when he's in a cafe buying a cup of tea, the, the fact that he was there, how he got there and saw the offence is irrelevant. What's happened here is that the statistics have caused somebody to flag up that there might be a problem and ask for an investigation. Whether or not those statistics are borne out as being correct or whether they're arguable doesn't affect the evidence that was found once that investigation was started. And the evidence that was found was Ben Gein was involved with all of these patients, that he had access to a syringe that apparently had been used repeatedly, that that syringe contained the muscle relaxant, that his fleece had traces of the anaesthetic, and these were the drugs that were found on one of these patients that was investigated, uh, that caused, or could have caused, would have caused, the respiratory failure. And while the statistics out of context may say that actually these respiratory arrests aren't that common uh, you'd expect one a year. That doesn't explain the statistical uh, 
improbability of the same nurse happening to be on duty each time one of those happens because you know you would be then introducing yet another variable into these set of circumstances it becomes too much of a coincidence in my view that somebody would just happen to be present at all these all these uh, events if he didn't have anything to do with it the cbs reality jury had to weigh up all of the new statistical evidence and the claim made by the defense that the harold shipman case a year before the ben Geen case had caused hysteria amongst managers at horton hospital not an argument accepted by juror nicole dixon I felt that, because it was in the aftermath of Shipman, he could even have been inspired by Shipman. That's, that was my initial thought. And I felt he might... So you think it was, you thought at first when you were hearing it was a copycat? I think he could have been inspired by it. Not necessarily. That's what I felt, because they were saying that, um, that they, they, the hospital bought it up because of Shipman, you know, they, that was in there. Because I know when I worked in at the airport after the 9-11 attack, everybody thought everybody was a terrorist. You know, there is, you, people do that generally after something like that's happened. But I kept thinking, well, actually, he could have got inspiration from Shipman because it was such a short period of time after it happened. And I felt he was guilty as soon as I, as soon as I heard it. The CBS reality jury were fascinated by the case of Ben Geen. They had all, as most of us have, experienced the NHS, and the idea that there was a killer on the ward gripped the debate. I just felt that he wanted to be a bit of a hero, and um, he would do anything to, to cause these respiratory um, problems in people so that he could then resuscitate them. That's what I felt, that he wasn't necessarily wanting to kill people, but he wanted to be... The hero. The hero. Yeah. Is, is, and do, do you think that, were you influenced by the fact that the staff at the hospital called him Ben Allett after Beverly Allett, who'd been convicted of killing people years earlier as a No, nurse? not really, but it was only over a two-month period. So that did slightly confuse me, because I thought, this is, two months is nothing, is it? That goes like that in a workplace. So at what point, I wasn't too sure at what point they were actually calling him that. Was it during that two-month period, or was it before? Um, yeah, it was before, actually. Oh, it was before? Yeah, yeah. So oh, he, OK, so yeah. why were they calling him before? Because he was associated with things on the ward when there were crises. So, so there it, could be more yeah. cases, maybe, than No, I think the implication, the implication was that this was a troublesome nurse in the first place. However, yeah, his defence case argued, no, he was on scene during these difficult moments because he was a can-do sort of nurse who would never run away from a crisis that was establishing. He would forego as the end of shift and go and help rather than do that. Oh, okay. So and as a territorial army reservist, uh, working as a medic in the TA, I, I, you know, I, I suppose that's a credible, plausible evidence. Mm. Jess, what do you think? Yeah, well, I've, I've never seen a doctor or a nurse actually be able to leave when their shift ends. It's, it doesn't happen. If something goes wrong, it's all hands on deck until it gets sorted out. You know, if you're volunteering to take extra shifts because there's bank shifts available and you get paid slightly more for them... Than he you made that point, by the way. Ones. He made the point in his defence, um, an appeal and subsequently still does. Look, I'm on shift because I volunteer for all the overtime. Ah. Oh. Well, you know, that makes it... Yeah, but the original jury didn't hear that. That's right. come out since. That's but he's, okay. he's said that since. And we didn't hear that. And it would be interesting to know how many of the incidents happened would that after that change your shift. mind? Would that change your mind? It probably would have made me think a bit more deeply about... The cluster of cases yeah. ended when he stopped working there. Oh. Mm. Right, 
Okay. But then it's arguable it would. Isn't it? It would argue <laughs> yeah. it would have, have yeah, ended any time. Yeah, because the cluster had happened already. Yeah. So Whoever had done it, if it wasn't Benguin, would have yeah. stopped doing it because Benguin had been arrested. Well, that's true, yeah. So but difficult... Would they have, if they were that, that driven and that sort of addicted to that sort of hero... Would that have stopped them? Would it yeah. have stopped them mm. just because someone was arrested? Or would it have been like, OK, there's a cooling-off period of three, six, nine months... And then the, the compulsion overwhelms them. They have to do it again. Mm. So we won't give away uh, the final verdict. We know Nicole found him guilty on the evidence that she had today. What did you find him, Jess? Um, I, this, for me, this has been the toughest case uh, to look at. And I think for on, on the bits of evidence that we saw, I've, I thought beyond reasonable doubt that he was guilty. Right. So if uh, eight people at least at the jury room uh, mm. agreed with you, then we know the verdict on that one, mm -hmm. so we'll wait and see. But for the minute, thank you very much for being on the jury room. Tune in to the CBS reality programme to see what the outcome of the TV trial of Ben Gein was. The defence team believe the Ben Gein case should be examined again by the Criminal Cases Review Commission. They think him not guilty. What do you think? Put yourself in the position of the original jury. Consider the new evidence. Is he guilty? or not guilty. What's your verdict? You can watch the full episodes of The Jury Room on CBS Reality. Join me, Will Hanrahan, next time on The Jury Room podcast as we consider another case of a convicted murderer protesting their innocence. <laughs>